how Amgen could sidestep the sting of patent expiration. This is Industry Focus. Hi Fools, healthcare analyst Michael Douglas here, and I am on the phone with one of our healthcare contributors, Todd Campbell. Todd, how's it going? Doing very well, Michael. Oh, fantastic. Uh, I, 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 for listeners who tuned in last week, I, I do want to emphasize, you know, the industry focus was on April 1st uh, in tandem with the broader Motley Fool uh, strategy of doing an April Fool's joke. Um, our industry focus was, in fact, an April Fool's joke. Uh, I, I do want to emphasize uh, at, at risk as therapeutics, which I think we made up, um, is in fact a, a, a made up stock, ticker symbol R-A-S-K, risk, does not exist. Uh, and, and, and our goal there was to, was to just talk a little bit about the, the sort of stuff that you often see in biotech that you should stay away from. Uh, and sort of that, the goal of that episode was to highlight a lot of stuff that you should really be wary of in biotech. But speaking of biotech, how's that for an awful transition? Uh, I wanted to go ahead and turn to our serious topic for the day, which is Amgen. Now, Amgen has got... <laughs> Amgen's got a lot going on. Uh, Epigen, which is uh, one of its uh, one of its uh, big drugs, is facing a U.S. patent expiration in May of this year. Um, you've also got Newlasta, another of their big drugs. Uh, their patents are coming to an end in October. Um, Newlasta, you know, what three point seven billion dollars of sales in the U.S. So it's not a small drug. Uh, and, and so we want to talk a little bit about how how a company, you know, once it's done this whole, you know the clinical stuff and it's on commercialization, how it then handles the other end, which is when the patent expires and sales, the drugs start falling off. So let's, uh, let's dive into that a little bit, Todd. This is, um, the reason I think that this is really something that investors need to be paying attention to is because it's brand new territory for biotechnology stocks. You yeah. know, major drug pharmaceutical companies have been dealing with patent expiration uh, over the last 10 years, but biotechs have kind of avoided that because you know, biotechs are creating biologics, and they, those are developed uh, in living organisms. They're very hard to duplicate, and it's up until recently, there really hasn't been a clear pathway to get generic versions of these drugs to the market in the United States. Right. But that's changing. And as Finally, result, it's finally changing. <laughs> finally, years, years and years went by mm-hmm. um, where Europe was already embracing some of these drugs, and the U.S. still couldn't seem to figure out the right way to approach them. Um, and I think that this is going to change. It's very dynamic. It's going to change the way investors view established biotechnology companies. They're going to have to start looking at them a little bit more like they do look at some of the big pharmaceutical companies. And that being said, Amgen is the perfect one to look at right now because it's the one that's, that's basically facing these, these obstacles or these hurdles uh, soonest. Right. You know, it, you mentioned um, Epigen. Um, you know, that's the, the drug that's used to boost red blood cells um, in kidney patients. Uh, Nulasta is a longer-lasting version of Nupigen. Nupigen already lost patent protection. And in the first quarter of this year, Novartis won approval for its biosimilar of Nupigen. Now, what's interesting is that Nupigen is still generating a billion dollars in sales for Amgen. So this launch is going to probably threaten some of that, that, those sales over the course of the next 12 months. So they've got the threat to Nupigen. They've got the threat to Epigen when its you know, uh, uh, patent expires. And a potential threat some point down the road to Nulasta, which is just simply a longer-lasting version of Nupigen, and that also loses patent protection 
uh, later on this year. So Amgen has, you know, if you add up all of these sales, three billion, seven, seven billion of its twenty billion in sales are facing um, the potential risk to market share from from biosimilars. Right. Well, and, and I think one of the key questions that folks are going to be asking when they look at this is they're going to say, okay, well, you know, uh, you look at a normal generic, it wipes out, you know. A lot, you know, let's say 80, 90 percent of the market share for that branded drug. Um, now, it's going to be a bit different with biosimilars because that regulatory pathway is a little bit tougher, or actually a lot tougher than for a traditional small molecule generic. Um, and so, we're the the sense that we've gotten is that these biosimilars are going to generally be priced lower than the traditional branded drug. But not as much lower, not you know eighty ninety percent lower like a lot of these small molecule generics were, but more in the you know let's say I, I'm spitballing here thirty or forty or twenty percent lower. Still meaningful savings, but maybe not as much, and and that may you know give these the the original drug makers some opportunity to, to still compete on price. Right, you know I, I think that that's something that's very important for people to remember. This is not like when Pfizer lost Lipitor and right. thought sales just go from you know, uh, 12 billion a year to, you know, a, a couple billion a year. This is, this is going to be a little bit more of a slower deterioration in sales over the course of the coming years. That's good because it gives the Amgen, Amgen some time to be able to um, offset or sidestep that risk with, you know, a number of different um, uh, programs that they're going to be they're rolling out beginning of this year. Yeah, um, and, and, let, and let's talk about those programs. So I, I think the, the, the first one, and perhaps the with greatest irony, is, okay, so Amgen's, you know, its biologic drugs are under threat by biosimilars, so of course Amgen gets into biosimilars to threaten other people's biologic drugs. Sort of a, if you can't beat them, join them idea. Yeah, you know, it's it's actually it's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, they already have all this experience, obviously, in producing biologics. Biologics are not easy to to produce, um, and you know, if they're going to lose the market share, hey, well, let's let's just get into that business and protect the market share. And while we're at it, let's go after the market share of some of our competitors. Sure. Um, you know, this this could be a, a a pretty good way for them to insulate themselves for a number of different reasons. I mean, they've got six biosimilars um, that were in development heading up into the fall of last year. Mm -hmm. They just added three more, so now they have nine under development. They think that they'll have their first one on the market around 2017. They think that four more could hit the market by 2019. And overall, they think that they'll be able to generate about $3 billion in sales uh, from these biosimilars that they have uh, that they're, they're working on currently. And, and, you know, that's not chump change. That'll, no. that'll go a long way to offsetting some of the risk to the biosimilars. Yeah, no, and, that, and that's very true. And the, the other thing that we often see uh, a lot of biotechs and pharmas do when they are having cash flow issues, you know, either because some drugs have gone off patent or because some pipeline candidates that they were really expecting to do well didn't, is that they'll do, uh, you know, whims- what's whimsically called restructuring, uh, aka cutting jobs and cutting costs. And you certainly see Amgen doing that. They've they're cutting their footprint and their staff by what twenty three percent and twenty percent by the end of twenty fifteen. Um, you know, they're they're supposed to that's supposed to save them about one point five billion dollars annually. Of course, these are I mean, those are harsh cuts. <laughs> it is it is tough for a company to you know blow out twenty percent of its staff. Um, and of course. Uh, deeply difficult on a personal level for all of those people, uh, but it's something that you regularly see in healthcare, um, and it, 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 it's a sign. 
I tend to think that I tend to find cost cutting of a certain extent to be a good thing. Uh, when it gets to the size Amgen has, it always makes me worry a little bit because um, I, I I have trouble believing that twenty percent of a company's staff is is not going to impact business operations in some substantial way. Well, you know. It also makes you wonder, you know, why did they get so bloated in the first place? Right. <laughs> you know, but but let's assume that, you know, it is what it is and that they've done the due diligence and that they assume that, that the way that they're doing this restructuring, that they will be able to deliver on these other programs that, that they're rolling out. Right. If that's the case, then, you know, you're talking about a billion and a half of savings, as you mentioned, by 2018 per year. Um, you're also talking about that boosting operating margins by a whopping 15%. I yeah. mean, that is just insane, the potential um, uh, impact that that could have on profitability. Right. Um, so, you know, combine the $3 billion from biosimilar sales with a billion and a half in, in, in cost savings, and that gets you to an offset of about $4.5 billion right. in, you know, the risk to... Uh, from biosimilar competition. Well, and it's in part because of that that they're guiding for you know substantial operating margin expansion um, and double-digit earnings per share growth per year through 2018. And I mean, you know, that theoretically could support a higher share price along with you know hopefully a rising dividend. Um, so so certainly, if they're able to deliver on those savings without you know really damaging operations, there's 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 an opportunity for them. And of course, the third thing you know the, the other thing you always have to look at with uh, with any uh, biotech or pharma company is the pipeline, and there's a lot that Amgen uh, is doing there. Um, you know, you've got the Kipralis expansion into uh, second line uh, multiple myeloma alongside Revlimid. So Kipralis has been approved for third line, if I'm remembering correctly. Is that right, Todd? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's been approved for third line multiple myeloma, moving into second line. So essentially, so somebody has to have taken one less, one fewer drug to get to Caprolis. That opens up a much larger patient population um, that this drug can potentially help, and that could be that could be pretty big for Amgen. And one of the big reasons that Amgen, you know, uh, bought Onyx uh, Pharmaceuticals, the original. Uh, um, Developer of Capralis was because they were hoping that Capralis could have sort of these opportunities, not just in third line, but in you know second um, and further, further sort of upstream. Yeah, you know, this would be a big win for them. They, they kind of needed to justify the the purchase price they did for Onyx. It, it would certainly go a long way. Yeah, you know, Capralis they they did about three hundred and thirty million in sales last year. That's not bad, but it's certainly not you know it's it's not great. I mean, yeah. it, for for a comparison. Uh, Celgene's Revlimid, uh, which is the most widely used drug in the second line uh, treatment of multiple myeloma, did 4.9 billion in sales last year. Right. Now, the reason that this would be really important to Amgen is that the approval, if it's granted, um, would would be for the use of Kipralis alongside Revlimid. Right. So, if Revlimid is already the most widely used, and adding Kipralis to that becomes the standard of care, then in theory, you could see sales go dramatically higher. Right. Um, so label expansion for Kipralis could um, go a long way, um, maybe, you know, add another, I don't you know, we'd be spitballing here, but let's say it adds a few hundred million more um, to revenue yeah. going forward. It starts making a difference pretty quickly. Basis. Well, yeah. And, and this is actually, you know, one of the sort of smart things you see a lot of biotechs doing where they will get a... They'll do 
a lot in one indication, and then they will expand the label into additional indications. Um, let's talk really briefly about Rapatha. Is that yeah, how you think we say is, it? Yeah, the the yeah, PCSK9 uh, inhibitor. Yeah, this this is the granddaddy in the pipeline. I mean, this is the right. one that could make the biggest impact. You know, it's a, it's basically it's a PCSK9 inhibitor. It's used alongside statins to help lower uh, cholesterol. Statins are the most widely prescribed drugs in America. Tens of millions of people use them. Um, initially, Rapatha is going to be used in you know super hard to treat cases of of elevated cholesterol, but it could broaden out further. Uh, down the down to more people. Um, if so, analysts think that this could be a two billion dollar a year drug. Yeah. So so here's my question for you, Todd. Um, real quick, and uh, we'll need to wrap up after this. But for you, is Amgen a buy? With the fact that you know they've got a lot of, they definitely have some oncoming trouble. They've also got a lot of opportunity. You know, right now, gut check. What's uh, what, what's your take? I think that if your time horizon is long then yes. But there are so many short-term question marks. You know, you just don't know what percentage of the branded sales are going to go to these biosimilars. You don't know how quickly they're going to roll out. And you don't know how quickly Amgen's going to be able to bring its biosimilars to market. So, you know, yes, Amgen has, it's a Goliath. And yes, Amgen pays a dividend. It's one of the few that does so in, in biotech. But are there other biotechs that if it's going to be one or the other that you might want to consider instead of, probably. But if you have a long-term horizon, you can own you know, a few different big cap biotechs, then I think you could probably put Amgen in portfolios. Sure. All right. Uh, that's all the time we've got for today. Uh, Todd, as always, thanks for your take. Uh, folks, always important to remember here at The Motley Fool, <clears throat> we believe in, uh, in, in total transparency. Um, uh, you know, Folks who are on on the podcast, on the show, uh, may have uh, positions in stocks that are mentioned. I don't think Todd or I own Amgen. Um, the Motley Fool, of course, may have active recommendations or may own shares of a company that we mention. And so it's important to never buy a company just based on what you hear uh, online or in a podcast. Always do your own due diligence. Uh, with that said, for The Motley Fool, I'm Michael Douglas. Thanks much. Check back to Fool.com for all your investing needs. And Fool on. <laughs>